Welcome to Season 2 Women in STEM Podcast. I am your host, Kelly, and expect from this season amazing guest host speakers from around the world and information that will help enrich your life and knowledge about women in STEM. Welcome to the Women in STEM Podcast, and today we'll be discussing what is mentoring and how to find it. And today I have a great host here with me. Would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yeah. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. What an honor. It's a great thing that you're doing with your Women in STEM podcast to get the message and the voices of women in STEM out there. So my name is Janet Fan. I am a senior technical product manager for Amazon's Project Kuiper, which is what, where we're, we are working to launch low Earth orbit satellites um, to space so that we can get internet connectivity to unserved and underserved communities. Um, I'm also the founder of Thriving Elements since 2016. It's a mentoring program for underserved, underrepresented girls who are pursuing a career in STEM. And uh, I recently became the author of a book called Boldly You, a story about discovering what you're capable of when you show up for yourself, Kelly. So hopefully your readers are also working on showing up for themselves as well. Or your, your listeners are also working to uh, show up for themselves as well. Well, hopefully they'll become readers as well of your book. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. um, but from that intro, it sounds like, you know, this uh, interview is going to be jam-packed with so much uh, inspiration and information. So let's just first start off with your career path so far, because I know so many people will be wondering how you've gotten to where you are and what has your career entailed so far? Yeah, so I got into technology through my... IT professor in college. So it's my third year and I had just gotten into the business school and, um, and was actually pursuing finance and accounting. And then my information systems 300, which is like an intro to information systems class uh, said to me, Hey, you know, you're really good in this class and you're very energized about it. You have lots of questions. Um, maybe you should pursue information systems as your other major. And so, uh, and he also said, I did an IT internship at this company called Warehouser. It's like a wood products company. So then he always made a class really fun and super cool professor. So I kind of followed his footsteps and his guidance. And because he had also said to me, you know, this is a growing field. And if, you know, as a woman in technology, you're, the world is your oyster if you pursue this career path. And I had no idea what he was talking about at the time. And, and now I know. So since then, I, he did help me get an IT internship where he was an intern prior. And then shortly after that, I was working um, at the Boeing company. And for those who are interested in pursuing technology engineering, a lot of these bigger companies have these rotation programs where, for example, the one that I was in at Boeing for, you're in this program for two years, but every six months you're in a different rotation. So you're doing like IT architecture, IT project management, being a business analyst or cybersecurity. So it's really, really, really great, great way for you to experience those different areas and figure out what you like and what you don't like. 
And then shortly after that, I went back to the University of Washington to get a major, um, or sorry, to get a master's in information systems and had Boeing pay for that. Um, and after getting my master's, I pursued technology consulting because what I wanted to do was at that point, I wanted to be a CIO of a company one day. And the best way I thought to be a CIO is to experience what IT is like in various companies and uh, around the world. Um, so that's when I got a chance to uh, work with uh companies in countries like Belgium. That was my first international project. And then I found myself going back and forth from Seattle to South Africa, to France, to Germany, to the UK often. And then I started having this project that was out of Switzerland and they needed somebody um, to head their program, their, um, this program that they've been trying to implement for the past like two or three years. So I got to work there uh, for six to 12 months, um, leading this program to implement the application out of Geneva. And after I implemented the platform, they're like, oh, well, there's this other program. Can you help us lead this? And I said, okay, I'll extend for another year. And another year became five years later. So I just moved back to Seattle uh, just this past March. Um, but I've been had been living in Switzerland and working across Europe. So a lot of those programs then escalated to me leading the launch of an application across EMEA, so Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and also also in the middle of the pandemic. But it was just like such a great great experience, and a lot of it has been because of my curiosity, asking lots of questions, also learning a ton a ton on the side. Um, and like building relationships with people. So, and, and here I am today. <laughs> I, um, I actually came back because now, as I mentioned in the intro, I work with Amazon's Project Kuiper and I really have been pursuing working in this industry to get reliable broadband to underserved and unserved communities um, for the past couple of years because I have the nonprofit that's serving this community. And I realized that my nonprofit can only reach as far as where there is internet connectivity for people to uh, fill out the application form that's online to be able to do uh, interviews um, via video call um, to be able to have their mentoring sessions via video call. So this was my way of combining my the work that I do with my nonprofit and what I love doing, which is global technology program management, and you know how can that all play together? And so, so here I am. But all of it has been uh, very intentional. Wow! And can you just repeat again for our listeners what exactly is the name of your role? Because I'm sure a lot of them will want to look it up and try to. <laughs> in your career as well so <laughs> yeah so my role now um, at Amazon's Project Kuiper is a senior technical product manager mm -hmm. uh, so my what I do is I am the the face of our engineering organization to work with other engineers so there are so imagine 
in our lab where we're doing a lot of re research and development, so R&D with the different types of satellite components. So my internal customers are engineers that contribute to the different components on the satellites. And I need to make sure that my team uh, provides them with the proper network setup and the compute to store their data and compute and storage to store and run their data to do all the analysis um, to make sure we get the best possible product products on the satellites. Wow, that's great. And so let's let's jump right into it to the mentoring part, part which everyone has kind of came to because I know so many people want to go into mentoring. And I was wondering if you can just give a brief description of what actually mentoring is because I know some people might have heard of it, not actually know what it is. Yes, absolutely. So mentoring is a long-term relationship that you build with someone who can help guide you in the direction that you're looking to go into. Or if you don't know what that direction is, they're here to help you guide you to figure out what that direction is. So it's not tutoring, like if you need help on math or, um, or history or science, um, it's, and it's the, the, so it goes from mentoring and then there's sponsorship. So sponsorship is somebody who is in a position where they trust you, they know you really well, and they will advocate on your behalf to open doors for you to create roles. Um, so that because they already know which area you want to get into. Um, so you start with mentoring. And how do you get into it? It's, uh, it can be scary for some people because it's not taught in schools. But uh, first, when you're thinking about, oh, I want a mentor, you think about what you want a mentor for. You don't have to have just one mentor. You can have multiple mentor, mentors for various areas. For example, when I started at Boeing, I had a networking mentor, meaning she had been at the company for a very long time and she had built really built relationships with so many people across the company so anytime i needed an introduction um, to do my work or whatever it was she was the person and so she helped me navigate all of that i also had a mentor who taught me how planes were built i also had another mentor who taught me about the um, network infrastructure infrastructure. So different from like people networking, this is like the actual network infrastructure. So for your listeners out there, Kelly, I would encourage them the first place to start is to continue reflecting on what is it that they want mentoring in. And then once you've figured out that piece, then you can take a look at who out there do I know that, um, that are good in these areas. Or you can ask your network, hey, I'm looking for someone to help me um, build my presentation skills so I have more experience like speaking publicly and somebody who can help like, work with you on that. 
Um, and that mentoring relationship can be built into, okay, well, why do you want to, to be a better speaker? What, are, what message are you hoping to get out there? Um, so once you figure out who you want to have as your mentor, then you reach out to them, uh, ask them for a coffee, just somewhere very informal. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go like into their office. So you want kind of a, a neutral location. Um, these days, some people do Zoom calls, which is okay, uh, but I encourage that uh, in-person interaction. I do have mentors who I have met even prior to the pandemic who live like on the other side of the country, and I have only met them by a video. So, and we still have the relationship today, many years later. Um, and then it's about maintaining Maintaining that relationship is following up with that person right after your meeting with them, as well as two to three weeks after you've met and say, so Kelly, if you were my, my prospective mentor, I would say, hey, Kelly, thanks for meeting me, uh, meeting with me a few weeks ago. You told me that I should practice my presentation skills in front of a mirror. So I actually did that and then I had a presentation. And because of that, uh, it made me more comfortable when I actually had to do the presentation. So thank you for your help. And as a mentor or somebody that invested their time in you, for you just to share that bit of information is so rewarding for them. And it's a, a cycle. So and I have a, a TED talk that goes into detail with all of that, as well as a Harvard um, Business Review article that goes into detail. So your listeners can look for that. Definitely. And like, how can mentoring actually encourage girls and women to get into tech? Like, what type of role does mentoring actually play in that? Mm -hmm. So I'm a strong believer of you can't be what you can't see. So uh, since there's this huge gender disparity in the STEM fields, mentoring keeps girls engaged and keeps women engaged. Um, we all, men and women, go through challenges in our workplace, but to have another woman who you can share your challenges with and for them to provide you some sort of guidance to, to navigate that challenge, is very empowering um, because men will may have a different approach that um, may or may not work for you, but just seeing that uh, a woman who in um, a leadership role or some doesn't even have to be in a leadership role, someone that you look up to that's in the STEM field um, can really keep you in uh, in in this area. Yeah, definitely. I feel like mentoring has been very impactful for me. And I've been quite, I guess, lucky with the fact that where I work, they have like mentorship programs already installed. So you awesome. kind of like just apply for it and then they match you with someone. And the first mentor I had at my workplace was a woman mm -hmm. and she was working like in a senior position. So seeing her and kind of like being able to like talk to her and stuff, it kind of you know, boost my confidence in a way, because I'm like, you know what, she's out there being like so high in her job. And she 
you know, if I hadn't met her, I wouldn't have been able to, like you said, visualize myself going to that extent. And unfortunately, as you mentioned, there is like a disparity. So um, one thing I have noticed, like prior to my workplace, whenever I did get mentorship, it was always like with a guy because the amount of men that are in tech tends to outweigh the women. So mm -hmm. I think a question that I wanted to ask you is, how do you know whether you are in a position where you can mentor someone? Because I think people tend to find mentoring someone quite intimidating. And I think mm -hmm. like with some of my listeners, um, they might be early career, um, but they could still offer mentorship to young girls, for example. But mm -hmm. yeah, how, how do you know that you can be a mentor and how can you show um, people that you are available for mentoring to mentor them okay two very, very good questions so the first one is how do you know when you're ready for mentoring I don't think you ever know when you're ready for mentoring um what happens is you have to just realize like you've gone like where you are today and all of your listeners have gone through um through through grade school through some sort of higher education starting out in a new company starting out at an as an internship um so we have some sort of experience or experiences that we can share with whoever is coming behind us in the next generation so whether or not you feel like you're ready but you feel like you want to be a mentor I think you are ready to be one because you can impart your experiences, your lessons learned through um, the navigation of your journey so far. And everybody has a story and um, the generation following you, they're going to benefit from it. So whether or not they follow the same thing, at least they've learned about your story and what, what you have to give. And then the other part, your other question is, um, how do you let people know that you're open to being a mentor? So a lot of companies, especially larger companies, they have something called ERGs, the employee resource groups, even small to mid-sized companies um, strive to have something like this. So they might have something already in place uh, where you can, so ERGs, the employee resource groups are like um, women at uh, PwC or women at Microsoft or uh, black women at um, Amazon, for example. Uh, so there's all of these resource groups that you can tap into and be part of. And then usually in them, they have some sort of mentoring program. And if not, you can still share with that group, hey, I'm open to being a mentor, but I would definitely tap into your, um, your company's resource groups and what um, your HR or your human capital organization provides. Now, if you are like an entrepreneur, then uh, I'm sure people are reaching out to you, always asking you for questions. So you can all, when you meet with people, you can offer, oh, I'm, I would be happy to, to mentor people. So in XYZ area, if you know of anyone, feel free to send them my way. That will also get open the door to whoever you're meeting with um, if they are interested in having you as their mentor. Great. And recently I experienced 
reverse mentoring for the first time. And prior to coming across this experience, I had no idea what it was. And so my reverse mentoring experience was that I was um, with someone who's had a lot more experience than me. And they were actually coming to me with their issues or with wanting for me to give them um, information and my perspective on the things that they were going through. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was obviously a different experience because usually I'm the one doing all the talking and saying stuff like that. And for me, having a reverse mentoring experience was really enlightening because it made mm -hmm. me think differently and mm -hmm. it made me see my company a bit differently because I had an overview. I had to like look at everything from uh, like a bird's eye type of view, whereas on mm -hmm. a day to day basis, I'm kind of just focusing on myself and like my team and just this small aspect of the company. And so right. I, I found that quite enlightening and kind of like also a confidence boost that I was able to contribute uh, to the conversation. But what has been your experience with reverse mentoring? And like, what do you, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, similar to how it was very energizing and empowering for you, for someone who you look up to, to ask you for, for that reverse mentoring. Um, in my experience, so I work with thriving elements. Um, I work with students who are from um, ninth grade all the way through the early parts of their professional career. Uh, and in that age range, there, there's just so much going on, the dynamics. And so it's very different. So I'm constantly asking the, um, the mentees of Thriving Elements uh, to, to share with me, you know, what's the best way to, to engage with um, your, your age group? What, uh, what would you like to do at, as part of team building? So I really leverage them. So they're like my mentors to make sure that the mentoring program that Thriving Elements has created works for them. And then in the workplace, I mean, similar to what you've experienced, I've had a few um, of those who are more mature and um, more experienced in their career to have me share like what is, you know, kind of what's going on in, um, in my level of, of work and how they could engage with uh, my generation. And speaking about experience, I do kind of want to tap into your experience with regards to being in STEM. So I feel like some of the reasons why some women might not want to become a mentor is because they are experiencing imposter syndrome. So they feel like maybe they don't have the relevant experience or anything to offer. So I think mm. having this conversation is great for them to get a better understanding of what mentoring is and to make the experience a lot less daunting. But mm -hmm. overall, as your experience as a woman in STEM, what are common mistakes that you've seen women in STEM make? And like, what, what have you seen? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's just women in STEM, but women generally, and because I work in the technology and engineering fields, I mean, what I see is women apologizing a lot. And I would recommend instead of apologizing like for the delay or this or um, 
I would say, you know, thanks for your patience on X because I just joined the group or I just got brought into this project. Like, thanks for your patience. Um, the other one is, I, this is a generalization, but one that I have experienced a lot is engineers. They're very smart and very detailed oriented. So they like, they love to share all the details. And sometimes um, the, the engineers, which is primarily men that I have worked with, will just monopolize your time explaining everything in detail. And so I've seen women just kind of let it go on and on. And it's like more detail than, than is needed at the time. And what I would recommend is be mindful of your own time and be okay to kind of, to raise your hand and say, okay, thanks for this information uh, and this level of detail. I appreciate your time. When I, let me take a look at what you have already shared with me and then I'll come back to you with more of this detail because engineers, they, they, sometimes they don't realize the level of detail they're going into. So that time monopolization can be very draining. Um, and then you, you've like wasted now two hours <laughs> and, and you're not able to get your work done. So, I mean, it's not a waste, but it's because that information is important to the engineer, but maybe not for you to do your work at the time. Yes, definitely. And you've kind of like talked us through your career path and whatnot, but what skills have like contributed to your success, would you say like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, a few, a few things. So one would be, I love building relationships with people. I love learning about people and curious about them. And so um, the, the ability to build relationships and maintain them has really helped me because um, in the tech and engineering world, sometimes people are very siloed and me working as a technical program manager or even a product manager, I am talking to people across the, different people across the board. So I'm able to see what are the syn synergies and gaps um, between the different groups. Uh, so the relationship building has been very helpful. The other piece would be uh, the curiosity. Uh, don't worry, I don't ever worry about asking quote unquote stupid questions. Um, and sometimes questions you think maybe stupid questions really open up people's eyes in terms of, oh shoot, we never thought about that before. So it's always helpful to, to be curious and ask those questions. Um, the other piece would be the endurance. So when I, when I only talk about like what I do and what I'm involved in, it's not only the work that I do professionally, but also the nonprofit and the book work. And it's a lot of work and it's a lot of energy, a lot of engagement with various types of people. And what has gotten me this far is the endurance because I see all too often people love to start things and people love to have these awesome ideas and it's, it's very challenging to like do, to take the next step and actually execute on it. 
Um, and then once they've executed, it's the endurance to see it through. And that's why so often things are started and they're never finished. And so if you were to ask me what has helped me to be successful in my career, it would be the, the building of relationships, the curiosity and the endurance for um, being biased for action and delivering on what I promised myself I'm going to deliver. So now we're going to talk about something really exciting and something that I'm really pleased to talk with you about, which is your book, like your upcoming book, Boldly mm-hmm. You. It's obviously yes. a bold title on its own, but what inspired you to write the book? Uh, I was inspired to write the book because of the work that I'm doing with my nonprofit Thriving Elements. And that was the first time where I started getting asked to speak at universities, at high schools, um, in uh, professional conferences about mentoring or sharing about my story and women in leadership. And my story of, you know, growing up as a daughter of Vietnamese refugees and navigating the line between what it's to be American and what it's to be um, to be Vietnamese. And all, all the challenges that came along with that that's um, detailed out in the book, I had never really shared even with friends that I had growing up. And I just kind of dealt with a lot of these challenges Um, on my own. Of course, I had a couple of really good friends I would talk to about it. Friends who were also going through the same because they um, had Vietnamese parents as well. And so it was nice to know that I wasn't the only one that was going through all of this. Um, And just my story from, you know, people may see today, like I'm traveling globally, and I have a nonprofit, and I have this this dream job. Um, but it, it was a lot to get there. And like, for example, my parents are in the Asian culture, sharing your salary information is very taboo. So we in the US, we couldn't, I couldn't even fill out uh, of the financial aid form in which we submit to the government to get financial aid for higher education. And in the US, college is very expensive. And so uh, that's when I had to figure out, okay, well, how am I going to pay for college? That's not even a, that's a not negotiable, a non-negotiable for me. So I started working not only one, but at two KFCs, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and working at a video rental store. So like a, a Netflix, but like a real store where you go in and rent DVDs and VHSs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then while I was um, in college, I worked at uh, a financial institution called Bank of America because I knew they had um, tuition reimbursement. So pretty much just doing all the things I could to be able to pay for college, pay for books, room and board. Um, and so what encouraged me to write the book was when I started sharing with people why I had started Thriving Elements, um, it was, this was the story and it was, how did I get to where I am today um, in this profession? And it was because of the mentors that are in my life. And so I wouldn't have been able to, to do it without them. And that's why Thriving Elements is all about creating access and opportunities for 
girls who grew up the same way that I did, underserved and underrepresented. And so that's what drove me to write the book was to share the story on a much wider platform than the one that I had with Thriving Elements. And if I could help shift the perspective of a reader that is going through some of these challenges and it helps them change their life, that perspective, then that was enough for me to put in the amount of work that I did to write the book if it just changed one life. Wow. I'm sure it's going to help so many people that read it and give them inspiration. But oftentimes something that uh, women in STEM can sometimes fear or experience is rejection um, in their career or a setback in their career. So the career not exactly going the way how it it's how they planned it out to be. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I set out to do with my podcast by having women from around the world come on and talking about their experience is to help encourage um, not only uh, women coming into STEM, but also encouraging women who are already in STEM to stay in STEM. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. there is actually quite a large percentage of women who come into STEM and actually end up segueing into a different career field um, mm-hmm. because of some of the experiences that they've had. So I wanted to mm-hmm. know if you had any advice around bouncing back from rejection or setback? Mm-hmm. Uh, rejection is, um, yeah, it can be very powerful. It can really turn your world upside down. And like you said, it could um, deter someone from staying in the STEM field. And that's not what we want because there's already not enough women in STEM. So exactly. you know, what can we do to, to keep them here? So what I share with um, Thriving Elements mentees and mentors and the people that I um, speak with is we hear so many times that um, you need to get back up after you've fallen. And um, that's why the subtitle of Boldly You is a story about discovering what you're capable of when you show up for yourself. And sometimes when you do show up for yourself, you're not getting the answer that you're looking for or the one that you wanted. So what do you have to do? You just have to, you have to try and you may get told no multiple times, but they, if you believe in something enough and you believe in yourself enough, you keep asking and you keep letting people give people the opportunity to say no Um, and ask them, why are they saying no? Why can't you get into X or why can't you do Z? And I'll use a very simple example. Um, When I was working at KFC, one of the things I needed to do was upsell with the the chicken meals was like two apple turnovers for a dollar or two corner on a cup for a dollar. And I hated asking people it because I'm like, I don't want to force people to get more food than they're already getting. But then it was just part of what we needed to do as, as the cashier. And what I learned is like, if you just ask, some people would be like, ah, yeah, actually I do want two apple turnovers because they, they're thinking about, oh, what, what dessert do I have at home? And so while I did get a lot of no's, I would get a lot of yeses as well. And asking the practice of asking and um, being used to someone saying no really helped uh, 
me as I you know, grew into working at the bank and asking people if they wanted more checking accounts or savings accounts or loans. And, you know, out of every 10 no's that I got, I got one yes. And that was good because it was a sale for me. And so that also transpired into my career in technology. When, for example, somebody in cybersecurity tell me that, oh, my application can't do X, Y, Z. Um, I asked them why it, you know, the policy that you have, the security policy that you have does not apply here. So we need an exception to the policy. And I have like, like in Switzerland, I had the um, chief security officer approve an exception on a security policy for an application that I implemented for my customers because it didn't apply, but it took, it took some time. And so being practicing and being used to rejection um, can be empowering because it allows you to maybe reshape the way you think about things, um, propose a different approach, propose a different solution. Uh, and then eventually, if it's the right thing to do that, and you believe that it's the right thing to do, then I would say keep going for it. And so I'll leave you with this, with the, <laughs> Kelly, with the rejection mm -hmm. is when I hear no, I think of N-O as new opportunity. Oh, wow. That's, that's a new one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And I think definitely around rejection, something that I kind of noticed, and I know this is a societal thing, and this is also has other factors um, uh, that plays into it, but men tend not to be afraid. Like men, men will ask and ask and they get no's and they, and they keep on pushing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think as well with the mention of like KFC, I think that's a great gem to mention for people who are in, uh, starting off their career and they want to know how to write in their CV or in an interview, how to utilize transferable skills. That was a great example right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or if you're um, volunteering uh, and you're in a leadership role or whatever role you are in your volunteer doing work in the community that can transfer into your CV as well. Right. And with like your experience and kind of like the transition that, that you've made in your career, oftentimes people who are outside of tech and sometimes even people in tech tend to have this perception that the only tech jobs that are available that are techie are software engineers or developers. So I wanted to know if you could maybe name drop a couple of um, career titles that people might not have heard of before and they could actually consider. Yeah, I really, really love this question because that's the message that I want to get out there as well, that technology is not just computer programming or software development, and that in order for STEM, and, and at the end of the day, the reason we have STEM, because it enables us to do something that will change the way people operate in the world or will make an impact for a specific industry. So, and we need people uh, from different backgrounds, different experiences um, and different personalities in order to make 
the technology work for the people. And I think computer programming and software developers are incredible. I also think that to make the, the, the application, the program that they're building to be amazing is to have this diverse background. So some of the um, roles that people may not think about uh, would be like uh, maybe a systems architect or it, if you could be interested, I mentioned earlier cybersecurity. There are roles where you can go in and, and try to uh, legally hack the system that's being built and figure out all the holes that are in it. Um, and like what you're doing, Kelly, being a solutions engineer and working really closely with the, um, the customer to shape what it is that they want so that you can go back to your engineering teams um, to configure the platform that works for the customer or um, suggest new functionalities to the, the platform that you're working um, to, to share with uh, your customers. Uh, the other ones uh, would be if you are on the creative side, then user experience, also known as UX or um, user interface, being able to design an interface that looks really nice. For example, a lot of Apple products, they have a great flow. And so these are the, the creative people that get brought in to see like, how can we make this user experience and this user interface best for the customer. Yeah, those are some great suggestions and I'm glad that you've added to the ongoing list. Um, mm -hmm. I do plan <laughs> on like kind of creating this long list because I always get this question sometimes asked to me like what are the other roles available and I always try to expand my own knowledge as well so I can be more aware. And so you mentioned earlier on that you have an organization that helps girls from deprived neighborhood with mentorship. Can you go into more depth about that and kind of um, explain a bit more about that? Yes. Uh, so Thriving Element it was started in 2016. And as I mentioned earlier, it's uh, the, the program is built after the mentoring that I've gotten in my life. And uh, our whole mission is to create access and opportunities for the underserved, underrepresented girls that are in the program, because our vision essentially is to be able to develop these young women that are in the program. And they start anytime during their uh, secondary school years or high school years, and they get partnered with one mentor. So it's one-on-one -on -one mentoring. And then they continue that relationship throughout university or college or some form of higher education, like an apprenticeship. And then they continue that relationship into the early parts of their professional career. So similar to what your Women in STEM podcast is trying to do is like keep these women in STEM. We wanna make sure that we keep the students um, engaged in the STEM areas throughout high school and college so that we make sure that they're in, they get in a STEM field. Um, so uh, right now we are always looking for, for STEM mentors globally. We operate in the US, in Switzerland and in Botswana. Oh, wow. uh, but because our uh, mentoring, our mentoring sessions are sometimes held uh, through video chat even prior to the pandemic because uh, a lot of our students are here in the Seattle, Washington area, but 
the mentor that's that could be best matched with them, maybe a scientist on the other side of the country. So uh, we we have had mentor mentee relationships that have been virtual. And if they get a chance to meet in person, we do have quarterly leadership team building events that are in person. And that's when uh, they get a chance to meet. So to your listeners out there, if you're interested in being involved in some way, such as volunteering with some of the operational things that we do to help us expand, um, or even if you're interested in being a mentor, then uh, please reach out to me at Janet at thrivingelements.org. Great. And do you have any recommendations of resources for women who are wanting to start their journey in STEM? Yes. So I would say, uh, one, I would, the, the younger, your younger audience to um, start with uh, Thriving Elements. And I would encourage you to read Boldly You because it provides a, a framework for my thought process and the resources that I tapped into um, when I was uh, looking to, to start a career in technology. But the resources I would say would be more general to again, go back to what it is that you feel like you're interested in or if you're, um, a, you're still exploring, then to reach out and work towards getting a mentor who can help navigate you into a STEM field. Fantastic. And now, unfortunately, we're coming to the end of this mm -hmm. uh, podcast interview that we have today. But how best can people connect with you? I'm sure people are going to want to have questions and are wanting to do a bit more research about you. Like how, where people, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm very active on Instagram. So it's uh, my handle is thriving elements for the nonprofit boldly.u um, for the Instagram. And then if you want to reach out to me directly, it's Janet at thrivingelements.org. For your young professional and professional audience, uh, I am also active on LinkedIn at janett.fan. Great. And thank you so much for taking the time to share with us your experience and to let us know about your new book, Boldly You. Yeah. And Kelly, again, thank you for creating this platform and bringing in women globally who are in STEM um, because we need more of the work that you're doing to bridge the gender disparity in these fields. And there's just programs going on and yours contributes to being able to keep women in it, keep women engaged. And I'll go back to uh, what I said before, you, know, you can't be what you can't see and you're creating that platform globally. So thanks for the work that the Women in STEM podcast is doing. And I am um, honored to, to be on your show. It's a pleasure. Mm -hmm. Thank you to the amazing guest host speaker. And thank you for listening to this episode. Please make sure to follow the podcast and to follow me on social media at Kelly underscore engineer on Twitter or Instagram. As well as please make sure to check out our new YouTube channel called Women in STEM podcast to see our latest episodes visually. Until next time. Bye.